coming up on Life as a Festival. So you can't study your failures if you don't have them. No, because it's not intellectual, it's sensorial. Sensorial? I like how you talk. So it's, it's, you, you don't learn it by the intellect, you can't study it. I mean, of course, you can analyze it with the brain and all that, but I mean, the, 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 the failure thing is such a powerful emotional thing. Then, I mean, if you, if you study and you surrender with it and you just go into somehow more this, the spiritual side of it, I mean, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to learn from that, you know? Ooh, the spiritual side of failure. Yeah. I really like that. Well, for example, like reading books, um, um, and you're probably familiar with that, then it's just like, some some of the most amazing like wise people of the existence of humankind they all somehow uh learn through suffering and 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 and, and failure Festivals, be they modern celebrations, mystical ceremonies, or rites of passage, are a time to come together and connect with our humanity and with each other. This podcast is about what we learn when we open our hearts to infinite play, and also how we integrate these lessons we learn into our daily lives. Life is a festival, only to the wise. Ralph Waldo Emerson Today on Life is a Festival... I'm reporting from Ibiza, where my good friend Mauricio resides. Mauricio is the creative director of the club at Heart Ibiza, the space created by the enigmatic founder of Cirque du Soleil, Guy La Liberté. Mauricio was a street performer in Argentina before finding his way to Ibiza, where he orchestrates a magical ensemble of performers at the club. This is a really interesting conversation because we went through an entire hour-long conversation that didn't really land. We couldn't quite connect. And then when we did the wrap-up at the end, this launched a second conversation that was very rich, vulnerable, and open, a conversation about failure and the spiritual side of failure. So listen in as we discuss Mauricio's experience as a street performer and how he learned to embrace failure. Also, the history of the island of Ibiza some of the issues the island faces now, and his optimism about the future of Ibiza and of celebration. So this is the wrap-up where I say, how do, how do you feel about the podcast? How do you think it went? Uh, I love it. I, I'm a little bit afraid that we didn't go to any direction. We talked so many because probably I'm not so good into... Um, too much in some in all over the place and we didn't kind of like clarify uh any direction i don't know if it does would be useful for you but what 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 direction what do you mean like what 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 would have been a, another way to do it we're talking about you know how we met we're talking about how uh different little chunk of piece of stories and things but um if I compare it to the other podcast and I this listen from you it was kind of like a red thread uh, yeah, we you didn't know? quite have a thread. Well, I was kind of going, but I kind of like it too because yeah. it also does me. I kind of like, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was, I was kind of going with the thread of Ibiza and Ibiza's history, as well as you and your life. Um, 
but I don't think that I was prepared enough. I think as an interviewer, I didn't have I didn't have enough to kind of tee you up into your best stories. I guess, I guess you did, but me also. I'm you know I got a little bit blocky in some points, and and also go, which is also part of my mind, like go all over the place. It's hard to grasp, I guess. Well, you know, we did have a little um, audio compromise with the bus outside. And it may be the case, and I've done this before, it may be the case that I review it and listen to it, and we might decide that we want to do it again. I would love to, actually. Because yeah. now, uh, now uh, you know what it is. You know, I, I also probably am not an easy person to interview, maybe. Why are you not an easy person to interview? It, I know because somehow I have these sort of like patterns of going all over the place and not follow a, a red thread in in the question you're asking me. Yeah, uh, which I kind of notice, and and that's why that's also very therapeutical because I'm I'm learning things about myself right now. You're learning things about yourself while we're doing the podcast. Yeah. What did yeah. you What are you learning about yourself? Then um, uh, not talking too much, but somehow I lose the red thread of of the the, the question asked. And then I go a little bit all over the place and, and, it, and it's just not so much direction in the answer. And that's something that I should learn how to be more specific. Is that is that a quality that you find in your other work where you are kind of going all over the place? Yeah. 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 And I use it in my own advantage because I'm, I got my eggs in different baskets, you know? Yeah. Tell, yeah. tell me about how you use it to your advantage. Uh, well, I'm operating more. I'm, I'm, you know, life through the creative side of the brain. You know, so like, um, I have my own logics, or I build my own logics, you know, towards like the situations in a face, and uh, and somehow I'm really operate with like thinking so many things at the same time, and somehow like leaving leaving it all there, but somehow I know then it's just like they're gonna work and like fit with each other, and um. And and it works. It's like it sounds like a kind of creative multitasking. Yeah, that is mean using your brain in so many different levels, mm. especially in the practical side of how that make it happen. Working with people, they you know each individual with their own complexity and times and these and qualities, kind of put all that together is like making a human salad. Mm. And then that has to have an aesthetic. That has to have like you know an imagery. That has to have a flow, a vibe. You know, so many invisible elements and they have to be there. And if they are there, the people who come and see it, they feel it. And that's mission done. You know? so, so it sounds like the very thing that made the podcast in some ways challenging for you is actually one of your core creative tools. This kind of multimedia, you called it a salad. It's kind of like combining different and actually, I've noticed that in the clothing that you make too, like the combination of these disparate threads. And so perhaps in doing this interview, we were kind of trying to pull a thread in when that's just not the way your mind works. Right, and that's why I love it. Because I think it's also, um, yeah, especially to make good interviews and have nice, interesting like narratives and, and follow certain direction. I think it's it's in, in that beautiful software where we are now. I think it would be more interesting if I can like tune in the mind to be more. Well, no, I, I, I'm going to push back on that because I don't know that it would necessarily be more interesting to do it that way. I think what might be more interesting might be to leverage the way that you are accustomed to doing it to create more dynamic content. So perhaps the problem is not that you're not following the thread. Perhaps the problem is that you're trying to th follow the thread. Probably. 
You know what I mean? So maybe if you didn't have to follow the thread and we approached the conversation in an entirely different way, that would actually leverage your creative strengths in a way that's more appropriate to the life you've created for yourself. You just say, I just learned something extra with you right now. Okay, so do you want to give it a try that way? Yeah. Okay, so um, take it from the top. We've done no podcast from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Your mind is kaleidoscopic. You are uh, a creative street performer, clothing designer, creative director. Not only do you have a multitude of mediums that you create art with, you're actually creating art with people. You work with ensembles. You're bringing all these different disparate kind of vibes and energies together. You are the creative director of the club portion of Heart, which is one of the clubs here in Ibiza. It's owned by Guy La Liberté, the former, um, the founder, uh, co-founder of Cirque du Soleil, who sold that and known in the Burning Man community, now a DJ. And you have lived here in Ibiza for five years. You also spend the winters in Goa. Um, you have designed for yourself a really unique life. And it has taken us a whole first interview to understand that part of how you've created this life is through the unique way in which your mind pulls together different aspects. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about you from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, uh, probably you are the first person who just like narrates uh, in such a short time um, and so well. Um, yeah, more or less what I'm doing. And thank you for that. You're welcome. I like words. I'm I'm a word dude. That's how I. That's how. I, that's what I weave. So, what does it mean to live the way that you live? Like, how do you? What do you do when you wake up in the morning? Coffee. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. What do you do? Okay. What's wake up coffee boom over here i just have my um a coffee a coffee place just around the corner i could do it myself here but i like to go to the coffee place and something very spanish then just like you go to the bar and you know you ask to the same person your coffee and she i don't have to even ask i've arrived there and she just put it on the table and uh i read the I try to read the newspaper, but but not do it often then because it's not so much interesting things over there. And and after that, I see what the days, you know, what the days it's just you know it's gonna unfold. What does little Mauricio think of you? What does the little boy that was dreaming of an alternative life think of you right now? Oh, interesting question. I think he will be kind of like. Like, I mean, I think that little boy could learn something from the old, the old me now. Oh yeah, yeah. what would that little boy learn? Uh, patience. Ah, the little boy did not have patience. No, 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 no. Patience, patience. I think that's the number, number, number one. Yeah, patience. Patience is a very powerful thing. So you left Argentina yeah. and you became a street performer in Europe? No, no, I already Argentina has a very strong street street sort of like culture, you know, it's a lot of art and theater going on there and I'm quite blessed to sort of like grow up with that, you know, as a kid I went out to the public spaces, squares and all that and just like so amazing, crazy. Oh, you know, 
characters, you know, like doing like pretty pretty amazing things actually. So you learned from the other I learned from observing, yeah, and and definitely when I saw that spirit, I say, yes, this is something that I want to do. What's the most important thing you need to know if you're a street performer? What's the what gets you the dollar? Uh don't be afraid of, about failure. Yeah. Yeah. So just go for it and go, go for, for it, it and go for it. And go for it. And I study it. And study it? I study what did you study? Just the other performers? Or? No, study your own failures. Study your oh, own... Study your own failures. Yeah. So you can't study your failures if you don't have them. No, because it's not intellectual, it's sensorial. It's not intellectual, it's what? Sensorial. Sensorial? I like how you talk. So it's it's you, you don't learn it by the intellect. You can't study it. I mean, of course, you can analyze it with the brain and all that, but I mean, the the, the the failure thing is such a powerful emotional thing. Then, I mean, if you if you study and you surrender with it and you just go into somehow more this the spiritual side of it, I mean, there is a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to learn from that, you know. Ooh, the spiritual side of failure. Yeah, I really like that. Well, for example, like reading books, um, um, you're probably familiar with that. Then it's just like some some of the most amazing like wise people of the existence of humankind they all somehow uh learn through suffering and 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 failure when you think about those people who comes to mind um siddhartha the buddha the alchemist yeah um i mean you know books then come to your life in an early age if you're lucky you read it back at that time it has a resonance and the older I get and more like can tune with that so I think they, they all these writers they understood the human soul really well and, and and all this literature has been very useful for me to understand myself and and you know overcome struggle you know and appreciate happiness as much as sadness I am super into the spiritual side of failure that's such a compelling idea to me because I'm terrified of failure. And because I'm terrified of failure, I don't act. You know, um, a bias towards action is what helps us design a beautiful life. You know, fretting and analyzing and obsessing doesn't create change. What creates change is trying and often failing. Yeah? Exactly. The spiritual side of failure, I will, I think it's, it's very personal. Uh, it's interesting that it calls your attention, but I think it's something related with the humbleness of like when you fail, you have nothing to grab from, you know? I mean, it seems like it's going to be for some, you know, uh, the end of the world. And, and, and there, there is, in, in that very moment, there is something, an aspect of let go, and 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 I think from there you can you can be in a place where like magic can happen, you know. So failure forces you to let go, and then magic happens. Yeah. In certain sense, yeah. Can you call to mind a time in your life when that progression occurred, when you experienced a major failure, you then let go, and then magic happened? Can you can you think of a story like that from your own life? I, for example, like uh, that was a like life death experience. I was in Brazil. How old were you? Uh, back at the time, nineteen, something like that. I was just left Argentina, went there, uh, looking for the sunshine, and you know, like 
more happy people. And I was in in the south in a surf beach, very rough sea. I just went inside and then the, the sea started to like eating me. And I'm not so good in swimming. So kind of like I tried to get out and it was really difficult. I tried to like keep it cool, but it was really difficult. I tried to get out again and I couldn't. So I just like, okay, that's it. I accept at that very moment and I got to go. Wow. And I relaxed and I just went. And suddenly someone came and took me out. I didn't panic. I was totally cool. But it was this moment of let go, which is, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like, yeah, like somehow saying very okay, goodbye to your own life. And then magic happens and you get the, you know, hands of God, which pull you out. And I feel really fucking good afterwards. I was just like, you know, you know, stay on the beach, chill, you know, like I felt like, you know, it was almost sunset. So I watched the sunset and all that and something revealing, something happened there. Then it's just like, okay, um, you know, there is a power in the letting go. Um, you said earlier, talking about street performing, you said to study failure as well um, and to learn from it. And is that, to me, I think about that as kind of an iterative process. You try, it doesn't work, you tweak, you try, it doesn't work, you tweak. And over time, you build something that, that really works. You build something that really works and you build something that's very you. Oh, I like that too. Yeah, you build something that's very you. Yeah, because all these tweaks, it, it's it, there's no software for that and there's no hardware for that. <clears throat> it's tweaks and you do it, co- you know, according to who you are, to your relationship with reality and the reality that you build. And uh, and and I think that what builds very genuine people, very genuine characters, you know, like mastering that, being okay with that, and um, and I guess that's something that makes you comfortable with yourself. And that's so attractive in so many different levels. Yeah. If you're comfortable with yourself, it makes you more attractive. And, yeah. And not just sexually or intimately, no. but, a, but like as a street performer, you want to be attractive to people. You yeah, want people totally. to think that you're cool and, they'll, and they want to watch you and then, and then give you a dollar. I mean, from that, from that sort of like background and I took elements that then I, I still, and right now I'm applying it. Like, for example, and, and I'm sure you're going to relate with this one. The moment that you want something so fucking hard, you most likely, you're going to repeal it. Oh, man. That has been my dating life. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Right. Doesn't mean that you have to be lazy and not doing it and don't go behind. It means then it, it's very important to put the focus in, you know, where, you know, where the focus goes, the energy follows. Yeah, don't be so thirsty. So if there's something that you really want, but you know that by grasping it too hard, you'll repel it, where then should you put your focus? In the overall, in the bigger picture. Mm, I like that. What's your bigger picture? Right now, an extension in my lifestyle that I have. You know, uh, I, you know, I think I say before, health, uh, time, um a good healthy relationship with myself and that it creates a very genuine relationship with others. Um, we are 70% of who we have around 
So I think it's so important to to best to be with the best people you can possibly be and 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 be the best version of yourself. And and I think that's the bigger picture. You know, and, and wealth and abundance and, and, and creativity and all these elements come come if you have this very basic foundation solid. So you were a street performer in Argentina. And how did you find your way to Ibiza? Um, I was in Goa. Um, and Goa always been very connected with Ibiza. So then I met a, a really good brother who who's, who lives here since 20 years, Atos. Um, and he invited me to come here uh, to the one of the probably the big, one of the first really, really very, very first big, big parties then Guy was dropping at his house. Uh, they, and that's Guy La Liberté? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to drop a pin on certain things for the listener. Right. So Guy Liberté was throwing a big party and your friend from Goa... He was organizing all that. He was organizing it. Yeah, he was organizing like the whole artistic thing and he invited me to come. It was really funny though because he just like make a phone call and say, hey, you know, like we're doing this quite interesting thing. You should come. It will be it will be nice. Uh, we're going to place you under our olive tree and you will do your clown there and just like doing visual stuff. And, and you know, I said, yeah, definitely. We'll let you come. And, you know, I have no idea really because he didn't mention anything. Who, who have no idea what I was kind of like, uh, I was coming to. And I landed the airport, we went to the house, and then, yeah, um, I say, yeah, I want to live in this island, it seems cool, and since since there, um, I'm here. Tell me about Ibiza. Bear in mind, we had one conversation earlier, this is a different conversation. So anything, any of the wonderfully poetic things that you've mentioned about Ibiza are up for grabs in your... Uh, multitudinous mind. Um, well, uh, Ibiza is a place and I call it home. A place then never stop to surprise me day by day. It forces you to renovate year by year. You know, I think you have to, it also shows you then you have to somehow change to be the same. Yeah. Okay. I like that idea. So like Ibiza itself maybe amplifies this kind of iterative cycle that you were talking about in your street performing. So each year you have to come with something new, come with something better because there's a lot of competition on this island. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people coming every year new and the olds and the ones who lives here with like incredibly interesting things to offer. And yeah, I mean, I don't like the word competition. I guess it's 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 definitely a place overpopulated with 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 a lot of with a lot of things, and it's a lot of going on. And somehow, uh, you have to find your niche, be good at it, uh, respect what the others do, and and carry on with your thing. What's your niche? Uh, the entertainment industry in. Um, I'm right now. I'm doing the artistic direction in the club of of Heart, 
Heart is also a restaurant, but in the night is a club, and in the club there is few events, and I'm taking care the whole theatrical, immersive sort of like situation, the aesthetics, um, and more or less sort of like the, the the red threats of of the whole entertainment, you know, um, theatrical story of these events. So this is what I'm doing, and um, and this is my niche. It's there's not a kind of clear name profession for that but it's, it's pretty funky it's it's definitely a lot about resolving resolving things last minute and definitely go with the flow yeah that's like like when you were in brazil when you were 19 do you when you create a show like at saga um are you hoping to cultivate something in your audience like for example help your audience let go like what what are you communicating to your audience? Well, for, first of all, in Saga, the the show is then there is no show. What does that mean? There is no show. It's a bunch of actors there. They're all characters. They all sort of play their own individuality. They all somehow play really well with themselves. But somehow if it becomes a symbiosis of audience, actors, actors, audience, and the, the audience also become the actors afterwards, you know? I mean, definitely Saga is it's, it's like the main thing is the music, you know, and, and, and the Bedouins. But um, the theatrical part, it has a very, very, very important influence in it. And these two combinations, I guess, it brings a very interesting quality and the audience feels part of it. The music is amazing. The characters and you know and, and all the theatrical situations going on there is constant is happening constantly and very around you, so you really feel immersive and involved, and I think that brings an amazing phenomenon of like of of, of something that we all love and it's just feeling inclusive, you know you're not going there uh, to just like go you know get high and listen to music and you go there and you're gonna have an experience which probably who knows maybe it will like have a very strong impact in your life. Well, that would be nice. Um, I like Saga. I like the the venue heart as well. I think it, it, it plays well with the immersive quality because you have that whole upstairs level with like vendors and there's it's easy to talk up there and it's beautiful and there's pieces of art. And then downstairs, there's the club area as well. So it feels more like a festival, you know, than... And Woo Moon's that way too here, I've found. Woo Moon feels a little more like a festival than like a club. Yeah, definitely. All these all these, um, these sort of like parties and events and all that, somehow they, um, I mean, the people that I work with, they're all like a bunch of friends from here, you know, and I'm the responsible to sort of like, you know, um, uh, make a nice casting and choose, you know, basically the friends and can, like suit into that sort of um, need that we have, then we're creating like theatrical groups, which are, like Baby Jane. Baby Jane is it's it's an old friend, and like uh, like probably ninety five percent of all the characters that you see there, there is people that I hang out from before and like live with them somehow uh, in the past, and yeah, friends. I was friends from the island, you know. People that I'm kind of like connected with it in the personal level. You, you, were, te- you were telling me earlier about um, street performing and learning from failure. 
And have you had some fun major failures at heart? Have you Oh, actually, I'm very blessed to say the no. But wait, you can't be blessed to say no because I thought the point from earlier was that the failure is good. Don't you want the failure so that you can let go and have the spiritual experience? You're right, but I have plenty back in the past, so now oh, I can just like, you know... You're, you're coasting on previous failures. Yeah, I mean... Why but not? it's true, yeah, I mean, interesting. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I just say I'm very blazing no, but... No, we never really have any failure over there. I mean, everything that we then that, that we've been doing in 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 it it's it's been quite well actually. Uh, I guess so many failures back in, back back before. Then you learn from it, and now you know if it, if it's a mistake happens, not it's just mistakes. You know, like big fa- 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 failures. Ah, okay. So it seems like over time, it's le- the big failures in your youth allowed you to iterate on these characters and understand how the game worked. And now, instead of big failures, you have little mistakes that you can kind of tie up and clean up last minute. And Yeah, you become the master of your own craft. And and then like big, big failures before, it's like it will, you know, if you use it well and you learn from it, it will, it will you know, in the future, it will be little mistakes and you can easily fix it. Yeah, so I guess you don't need to be lurching from mistake to mistake to live a creative life. But it sounds like it's good to front end those mistakes and not be afraid of them when you're first learning, when you're in explore mode. Well, one of the reasons why, like it, it, it works really well in 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 this, um, the whole theatrical, you know, experience that we offer. Then we are pretty open in structures, you know, and we definitely probably in every night we face some little failures, but. They are so clear. They are we we see quick, and we can use it to 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 you know to to make it better, you know. And and I guess that trust in like not so much structure. We have a frame of work. We play in that. We see what works. We see what doesn't work. You know, we involve people. So it's people. still it's still rapid prototyping. Yeah, it's still iterative. And it will always be. Otherwise, it, once it is just like totally like a fixed thing, it will not. You know, like I think it's to keep it fresh. You, yeah. you constantly have to renovate somehow. Keep the frame, keep the structure. You know, keep the the right the right vibe, keep the right essence of things. But then constantly develop as you, you know, evolve. And it's like a fractal. You know, you got the theme, you got the thing that works, and then because you know, it it seems that in Ibiza you can't can't come with the same thing you came with last year. No, and you cannot be too rigid. Yeah. You cannot be too rigid. I, I, yeah, um, definitely. I saw it many times. I mean, if you come with a very rigid idea, you might like to have a hard time here. Why is Ibiza so great? Why do people love it here so much? Well, if we go to the easy answer, like the sun is amazing, the water is like the Caribbean. Uh, the the nature the, the, you know all these beaches and calitas and all that is is quite an amazing like then if you jump in the water you feel young if you, you feel better after um and that's i guess is is the alkaline and then also this esoteric thing then you know it has an energy than any other place have and there is some sort of magnetic feels 
and some sort of like crystals under the ground which sort of catalyze you know dualism and somehow you know everything is beautiful and you know um i i heard that esvedra is a, a sort a, a huge magnetic rock esvedra the the big rock off the off the off the uh, western coast of ibiza is I, I think someone's told me it was like the third most magnetic place in the world or something like this. So there's certainly stuff going on. It's definitely something happened over there. I mean, I cannot particularly explain really um, in, in terms of like, yeah, they say that it's, it's a lot of magnetic things going on and all that. I'm not going to go too deep about it, but definitely there's a very special energy here than everybody feels. And... um according to legend this island and especially as vedra itself is where the sirens from homer's odyssey were the sirens who are the the beautiful women who would sing their beautiful songs and lure lure the um the odysseus's men to their death um or the any sailors to their death and then according to the, the Odyssey, the legend, Odysseus had his men lash him to the mast and then plug their ears so they could not hear the siren's call. But he heard the siren's call and he wanted to chase them to their to his death. But because he was tied to the mast, he sailed through safely. And um, that story is so interesting for uh, modern Ibiza because we have the same sirens. Totally. You know, luring... that you. I think you were saying over dinner that many... Many a, a great man has has squandered a fortune on on the beautiful women of Ibiza. And I say before that's happened before, it happened now, and it probably will happen in the future. And and so to touch on a little bit of the history of Ibiza, um, so Ibiza was originally a Phoenician colony. Um, tell me a little bit about. Give us a quick one, two, three of the history of this island. Well, the little I know, then everything is really started with the Phoenicians. Then those guys that were like smart, um, highly educated. They knew about mathematics, finance, astrology, and navigation, um, and trading. Uh, they were good in making business. So they go all around existing Europe, you know, sailing things, like selling things, you know, in their boats. And uh, and the currents passed through Ibiza when they were like on the way back to their homes. So they stopped here and they declared that place, uh, you know, like a second base. And they used it for the elders to come here and, and, and you know, get old here and die here because it's a, it was a place and people can live longer. Uh that particular culture also has an interesting quality, which is they were really good in trading with people, but also creating, you know, good relationship with them. So they probably, they were charismatic, smart. So they know how to connect with others. And, uh, and that's something, a characteristic, then still nowadays, you know, like, most of the people from Ibiza are kind of like outgoing and they are, you know, like friendly and somehow charismatic, you know, like uh, they have something. And then the Romans 
took over Ibiza. The best soldiers from the Roman Empire, uh, they were gifted uh, with a trip to Ibiza, to the Bahia de San Antonio to come here, you know, like drink, have fun with girls. Yeah. And so the Romans were like the original. Spa time, yeah. The original Ibiza. Uh, pa- ravers, players. yeah, I the think so. Ravers, yeah, the Roman I think ravers. so. Okay, so then there's the fall of Rome, then the Vandals took over this spot, um, and then we have, the, then the, the Moors came in, so the Berber tribes, so you, then you have this, uh, this Islamic influence and the Islamic architecture, uh, and then there's a Norwegian, oh, actually, no, so the, before the reconquest of Spain, um, there were some crusades that rolled through here. And what I found to be really interesting was that there's a Norwegian king who took over Ibiza in 1100. So so you just have these waves of these different folks. And then um, the king of Aragon came in here. Um, then we have the, later on, it's a Spanish uh, property and we have the Catholic church is mainly administering this place. And we get all the way up to the modern era and um, during the Spanish Civil War with the dictator Franco. And Franco's actually your name, right? Uh, yeah, it's my last name. But I have nothing to do with that guy. You have nothing to do with that guy, but your name yeah. is Mauricio Franco. Yeah, it's who I am. I thought that was kind of a funny little tidbit. Oh, you know what I forgot? The pirates. You forgot the pirates. But I guess it's just like, I mean, the, those pirates back in the time is a little bit an extension of 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 well yeah the story says that the pirates they stash so much treasures here than if they still are there and the rocks so um yeah the sort of history of like kings and queens and and, and also tanit which is the goddess of the island it was uh, like a a, a a gypsy dancer who, like the 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 king of Egypt, like give it as a present, you know, give us her present Ibiza, and that's why Tanit is the goddess of the island. And is it so? The Egyptians were here too. Yeah, and Ibiza is a, it was a, like Egyptian god, and that's why it's um it, it's called Ibiza. Ibiza was a was an like an Egyptian god was very small, very ugly, and he was the protector of the kids. So this beautiful island full of beautiful people... It has a lot of mythology. ...is named after an ugly little god? <laughs> who, was the, who, was the, who was the protector of the kids, and that makes a lot of sense because it's definitely like uh, this is the island where you don't want to grow older, you know? So it's kind of the Peter Pan island, and if you, if you are connected with the island, you are connected with... With, with a girl, which is the protector of the kids. Oh, wow. Okay, so pirates stash their treasure here. There's still pirate treasure. We get into Franco. This was a place, Franco wasn't paying a lot of attention to Ibiza, so you had a lot of people fleeing the Spanish Civil War, a lot of creative, you know, political dissonance, oddball kind of folks coming to this island. Then... We have the big wave of the hippies came out here. Yeah. yeah. So we get the hippies and they started making these communes on the island. So Ibiza was like this kind of paradise for hippies. Um, and and then the club scene. And what I thought was really fascinating was this idea that Osho's cult 
um, you know, the Bhagwan Osho, uh, they came here and brought ecstasy and they came and were, were throwing like ecstasy parties and that the original like house and techno DJs like Paul Oakenfold, for example, some of these folks connected with um, the Rajnish, Rajnish uh, commune and the ecstasy parties. And from there, the sort of like modern like house techno club scene that then blossomed in London came from. That's a pretty, that's a pretty incredible pedigree. I mean, uh, most of the most incredible like things that happen here, they all come from some, some sort of mistake an unprogrammable sort of like schedule. Wait, everything that happened in Ibiza happened because wait, no, no, I want to pause on this for a second because I think we might've found our thread. (laughs) We were talking about, you were talking about these mistakes that then build these incredible characters. And Ibiza seems to have just been like changing hands. And, you know, I, just the fact there's like a Norwegian king took this place over and like over these different things. And then we have this incredible salad that is modern Ibiza. Yeah. But I still sort of like keep the story, reinventing the story, but the story is always the same, right? I mean, um, you just mentioned so many kings and queens and goddesses, you know, came here, left here, they're still here, they're iconic here, their mythology here, but they all left and they, what's remained is that island and that island saw it all. You know, and now all these, like, the richest people in the planet, they come here and, and yeah, they come and they will go, but this island still will be there. What do you think is going to happen next year? What What happens after the rich people move on to Mykonos or you know, wherever else is the next, the next TV set. I what? think that will be amazing actually, because, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, when there's right now, if this is in the higher trend, you know, everybody want to be here. I mean, from the, from all the layers of society, you know, and so definitely that it creating, it has strong impact, but hopefully when things are going a little bit more, more relaxed i guess that will be hopefully who knows the changes but hopefully will be a little bit more relaxed i guess but do you think that you know with such an incredible boom each summer on this island if there was to be some kind of bust you know somehow with a big economic downturn or it's just suddenly uncool go to ibiza um you know you for example your livelihood is based on on these modern pirates coming in their yachts, yeah, their private jets, some, yeah, to a certain extent, and then, yeah, yeah, because that's the people who consume the, the events that we're doing. I mean, don't forget the normal people too, and I guess the reason why these events are so magical is because the mix of all type of people, ages, layers of society, wealth, uh, you know, sexual orientations, uh, life activities, and all, you know, like, like in these events and we're doing like most of the, the people who come there, they come from so many different walks of life and like social status. And that mixture is what makes that place uh, so magical, you know. Um, I guess that always going to exist. Right now, we are facing the fact that it's, it's, it's just it's too popular and everybody want to be here. So 
you know, the quality sometimes when you have so much, it lows. Um, so when that finish, because I guess it's a trend and it comes and goes, um, things will be probably different. Well, some people say that Ibiza is that Ibiza's sun has, is setting, you know, space closed in 2016. That's Carl Cox's club. And, um, there's been more and more government regulation, some issues with, um, I don't remember what years, but with potentially running out of water, um, there's, uh, you know, higher to higher and higher taxes. Um, it does seem like the parties, the party might be slipping away on this beautiful place. Yeah, something like that. But also, I guess it's open up uh, new markets. I mean, there's more and more people coming for health, uh, wellness, uh, yoga, uh, more sort of activities which are connected with nature. And also, I mean, all the people who like that also likes a little bit of the party too. So that, I guess, always going to exist. I, I have a friend who told me that Ibiza is the place where you party so hard you become spiritual. You basically like, you just hit as high as you can get in pure hedonism and then it kind of like flips and then you are, you know. But I, but I worry about that because there's a little like, is that real spirituality? Well, but I, I definitely, definitely, definitely there you will learn something from your failure. Oh, Yeah. Tell me about that. Well, I mean, when you just like, you know, we, we see that every every uh, every season, you know, the new faces who come here and they just come with all that sort of like, you know, energy and I want to party and go to every single, which never stop, you know, like every single offer that you have here and then like, yeah, enjoy alienism to the peak, but then always after the peak, there is a little fail and the more higher you go, you know the heart is a failure and 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 you see that in so many different levels um so many different levels from like like the brit kids who are like oi bifa and who from just there or from like very 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 rich people who comes here to show off and the only thing they have is money and that yeah you can buy things to certain extents there but you cannot buy class you cannot buy true friends you cannot buy like um, you know, like beautiful, you know, sunsets, you know, with yourself and, you know, in gratitude with what you got, you know, no matter how rich you got, if you don't have that, you cannot buy that with money. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's, that's kind of those little failures and then you see often here, you know, the misery in the, in the opulence, the misery in the opulence, you know, it's, it's really funny seeing how this conversation has started to evolve this this dichotomy of failure and and as you say opulence this this lavish these lavish lifestyles and it does seem that this is an island where a certain amount of belly flops happen yeah and there's something to learn from it do you do you feel like you learn from watching the failures of those who come this way? Well, yeah. And also at the same time, I watch my own little ones because I think, I guess it's just like in different, different scales, I guess like, uh, the feeling is the same. Uh, I, I learn from my own and, uh, but I, I, that's why I'm observed others and I can understand them because I know what failure is. That That's a unique quality that humans have in learning from other animals is that, we can learn we learn from our mistakes but if i see you put your hand in a fire i can learn not to put my hand in yeah. the fire but it but 
in theory. However, it doesn't quite seem to work that way because I feel like I see people who watch the failure and then they do it. And I feel like I've watched the overdoing it and I've come here and I've overdone <laughs> and I've overdone it too. You know, there's, and there's always somebody in the crew that's, you know, needs a little, needs, needs a little time out. Well, that's why you have to come here to every summer to visit me and then, you know, get your lessons. Get my lessons. Wow. Well, what, here's a question I have for you. Um, in your experience, how do the local people feel about what Ibiza has become? There are people who were born and raised here, the people who mm. live here, people who potentially farm here, or like, how do they feel about these waves of, of, of particularly the wealthy coming in and the strain on the resources here? Do you speak to many local people about this? Yes. I mean, I, I, I consider myself a kind of local here, and uh, I definitely touch with, with, with that situation. And, and yes, this is, it's, it's, it's a little bit the sad part of, of the story. Uh, yeah, rich people comes, they buy the houses, rent get higher. There's less and less places to live because they are mostly being sold. Um, and the ones that you, they are available to live, they're very, very expensive and they don't sort of like make sense, you know, the prices. Uh, so that's something that is just really like on the, on the table, you know, when we, when we, it, it's, it's something then, then it's very clear then it's, it's not making the people happy. Well, that's, that's one of the important things to keep foremost in of mind. If you are someone who is engaged in celebration as a profession and in your life, when you're thinking about celebration, What's the collateral? What's the external? How do how how are how are uh, how is harm externalized? You know the harm to the environment and the harm to local people. Um, I understand that some of the government crackdown and regulations, like pulling back the the closing hour time, um, has to do with taking care of the locals here, so they're not just constantly living next to the loudest party on the planet. Yeah, well, this is a very delicate sort of. Um politics because from one hand like yes they want to take care of like what like putting certain certain level of loud music to certain time which i found yes very important and democratic but putting too much focus in these while most of the people who come to work here or is from here somehow has some living living you know accommodation sort of like problems and um they don't put in so much attention in that. And that's what drives people crazy. And that unfortunately changed the people's vibe. And, you know, uh, it's definitely not that hippie, easy place that it used to be before. Now, if you come here, you gotta like, you, 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 you gotta move your ass, you know? So to, to your knowledge, the government is not doing enough about affordable housing for locals in Ibiza? No, and this is in the newspapers and it's everywhere. I but mean, it, it's a it's an active conversation, but it's not being taken care of. Yeah, and that's part of like the the political dynamics that we live, um, which is uh, hopefully is gonna hopefully will be a solution soon. Uh, they definitely, I mean, people people is suffering, uh, and it definitely changing the vibe of the place, and even like to business and all that. Then they don't have people to hire because. There isn't less, less like 
labor, like, you know, like professional labor to do certain jobs, then they, they don't come here for the season because it's too expensive to be. So, it, like, things going, you know, we're in an island. So, you know, when there is a, you know, those problems also go to the highest levels. And hopefully it will be a solution soon. And we're going to have more reasons to celebrate. It seems like there's kind of like three groups of people as far as this is concerned. There's like the people who just come here, tourists come here to party, people who just come here and leave. Then there's the people who live here during the season and are, are mostly working in entertainment and they're more locals, but in a sense, not fully locals. And then there's the people who just live here, live for full time, born here, want to raise their kids here. And uh, these three groups um, and you're in the second group of that. These three groups probably have a different awareness of these of this problem. You know, the tourists who come don't know, don't care. They're they're on their Ibiza holiday. It's you know they're out. They're out. They of, love it. They're yeah. out of university. Mm-hmm. They're at amnesia, raging their face. Um, are the people in your group the the semi locals who are here every season? Are they? aware of and working on this problem in any way to your knowledge we when we see each other we often talk about the situation and um we keep it positive and hope hoping to find solutions but it comes from a higher place you know i mean it's it's um yeah it's it's that is a difficult situation then hopefully it will change soon you know there's an expression in tech circles which is fail fast and we're talking about failure and the affordable housing for local people of Ibiza seems to me to be a failure, but it's not a failure that's happening fast enough that it's being resolved and learned from. It sounds like it's a failure that's slow over time that is not being learned from and resolved. Welcome to the old continent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, things take time here, I guess. I don't know. Um, at the same time, I mean, it's, you know, all these political situations and like social situations in the island, they are blend with this amazing paradise, you know? So things get, you know, somehow, you know, you get distracted so easy. So yeah, all these very basic things and these very basic problems that a lot of people is facing uh, they are there, but at the same time, there's so many other things happening around, then, I don't know, I mean, I I remember myself being homeless once in Ibiza, but hanging out in the most lush, luxurious, like, how party, houses, villas, you know, and living like the millionaires live without being one, and actually being homeless, so, all these things happen here constantly, so it's, it's somehow, I don't know, you stretch the boundaries of how you perceive uh, your situation, I guess. Yeah, it's a thorny problem. You know, I mean, we have a uh, affordable housing issue in San Francisco. You do? Oh, yeah. Oh, very bad. Yeah, you go- yeah. googly thingy and all that. Yeah, googly thingy. Yeah, 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 we got the googly thingy. It's the, it's the fault of the damn googly thingy. Well, which also like all those guys are coming here. By yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, global, global. The googly thingy is, is coming, yeah. Global wealth inequality. Because it's interesting, you know, because you have like the clubs. I took a pill in Ibiza, like rave, party. 
And then there's kind of like the more spiritual side that's been developing over time. I mean, even to the point of like the Aniwa gathering of uh, indigenous medicine. Mm-hmm. Like these were leaders in, you know, from Shipibo in mm-hmm. uh, in the Amazon or from uh, the Buiti um, in Gabon. Like, like shamanic leaders and healers, like legit folks making the pilgrimage to Ibiza. Um, so that's a huge spectrum. And... Uh, and yet, you know, this place, it's, uh, is it unsustainable, do you think? Good question, though. I mean, we live in an island. Uh, we are surrounded by sea. The sea actually, like, are, are suffering globally. Uh, and we notice that especially in the end of the seasons you, you notice that what do you mean like pollution and yeah pollution you see you see you see things you see plastic and the end of the season you know like you can you know i'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not seeing it me my but you see in the newspapers like you know like you know yeah you see shit um it's a dry place there's not so much water you know um but at the same time, there is more and more people, you know, like coming here with 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 projects and and wanting to do it more, like sort of more sustainable, sustainable for themselves, not for the whole island. I, I I'm an optimistic. I believe in this place. It has a incredible power of of. I feel taking care from this place. You know, I feel, I feel like a, like a whole being which take care of me because I'm also take care of her in in a certain level and have that relationship with the place I don't know if you have a play that relationship like that with where you live or a place that you live before but I do have with that and uh so I'm I'm optimistic and I believe then like you know slowly slowly people will unite forces and 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 they will have to do it because if it's not at a certain point, if you're still like doing plastic and all that, it will not look cool. And if you're not looking cool, you will like people will not come to to your restaurant, to your club, or whatever. I think it's going into that direction, and I want to be optimistic and, and think that it's going to get better, and hopefully, it will be more sustainable in the future. Um, have you heard of a festival in Thailand called Wonder Fruit? Yes, I did. Yeah. So the the theory, the idea of Wonder Fruit. And I've been, and I feel like they really do execute this well. But the idea is that it's not a festival. It's uh, an environmental education project. And the point is, is to make all of these practices that are sustainable feel really cool to the you know local expats, the young Thai elite, just general, like to make it, if Thailand's mm-hmm. version of Coachella is all about uh, banning single-use plastic and um, responsible stewardship of the land and planting mangrove trees and that sort of thing, then um, that's going to move the needle further for these environmental uh, environmental concerns. Although, I mean, I personally don't know that we can move the needle on the consumer, consumer end anyway. I think it's about the production of things, but it's nice to try. Well, I mean, and, and it, I've never been to that festival, but music and art is involved in it, you know, same that we have here, music and art always been present, and, and hopefully, through um, through what we're doing here, uh, we can 
also somehow beyond entertainment and beyond human celebration, which it's also we can we can inspire people to be the best version of yourself, appreciate more the place that we live in, be more grateful for that and 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 carry on for uh, for for the greater good and the good of all. Gosh, I hope so. I hope so. I'm I'm uh, I'm not an optimist. I'm just a happy pessimist. Um, oh, you, so you are an optimist camouflage. Well, I'm not. Well, that's the. Th- I mean, I'm I'm like on the biggest scale an optimist in the sense that I believe we are all one. I believe the Earth is a living organism of which we are part, and I believe that nothing happens that's unnatural. So it is natural that humans have kind of ballooned in this way that we're potentially going to destroy ourselves and perhaps it's even natural that we destroy ourselves but that that's not apocalyptic on the level of the planet unless we manage to kill the planet completely which i don't you know i don't well we we've been in in so many different conversations and areas and stories of this island and and topics then there's not a clear red threat, but um, I, I think that's I think that's true on our first recording. But once we stopped and started again, it was a different story. And I feel like we had a beautiful thread, which b- beautifully you talk about serendipity tattooed on your arm. The thread is failure, the spiritual side of failure, mm-hmm. the letting go and letting what's going to be because what you thought you wanted can't happen. And then accepting what does happen. And what we just did in the podcast is we did one podcast where we were pushing, let's talk about Ibiza, let's talk about the history, mm-hmm. and then stopped, started it again, and talked more about you and more about your experience as a street performer. And you said this beautiful line, the spiritual side of failure. And then that thread of failure, spirituality, opulence, Ibiza, and you just, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful, beautiful content. And, and particularly as evidenced by the fact that it was a failure the first time. And then we iterated on it. So we're not just telling the story. It literally is what also happened here. Yeah, interesting. I also you have a very wonderful place of putting the dots together. Very wonderful way of doing it. That's my job, man. Yeah. That's why I that's why I'm the host. Yes. I gotta I gotta put all your dots together. But I mean, you know, I think that what does a listener want out of a podcast? They wanna be entertained. They wanna like the people they're listening to. They wanna feel like they're listening to people that they enjoy. And hopefully they wanna learn something that makes their life better. And that's why this is life is a festival. So like how do... Only for the wise. Only for the wise. And, you know, life is a festival only to the wise is the Ralph Waldo Emerson quote. But, you know, one of the concerns that came up in this podcast is life is a festival only for the rich. Mm. Mm. You know? I will not be agree about that. Oh, yeah? No. Okay, tell me. No, I guess, yeah. Mm. Well, because you're not rich. I'm not. <laughs> Dep- depends how you measure richness. Ah, ah, therein lies the rub. Yeah, depends how you measure richness. If you're talking about like bank accounts and all that, I'm definitely not. But if you talk about sort of like 
are you reaching your community? Are you reaching the people that you have surrounded? Are you reaching the way that you are treating yourself and you're treating others? Are you really rich to be in front of so many rich people, all people who have nothing and be the same person? Mm. And be uh, interesting, you know, for them. I've, I've been on a yacht once and it was at Ibiza. I went on a yacht once and it was so sterile and empty. And it was two dudes and two women who I got the vibe that they might have been for hire. I don't know. They might have just been, you know, who knows? But I got kind of that vibe doing cocaine on a yacht that was extremely opulent and totally empty. It was like a ghost ship. It was like a it was like a polished, varnished ship of death. Right. That's not wealth. Very very expensive one. Probably it's a very expensive ghost ship. Yeah. That's not fucking wealth. Well, here we go. You know what I'm talking about. And that's happened constantly. Constantly you are facing that. Which also, it's like, and when you have it so much in your face, you really, I mean, if you're wise, a little bit, you sort of question that and you you realize and it's like misery is in all layers of society. And yeah, and measure measure your your level of richness, you know, in ways which goes beyond material things. Well, and... One of the things that I got out of this, because this conversation, by the way, you were wondering whether this is a good conversation. This conversation is helpful for me because I have a fear of failure. And I and I see, you know, the podcast is great because we iterate every week. But I want, I've want i been trying to write a book, but I'm so afraid that it's not going to be good enough that I'm like, it's hard to even sit down and write. But how do you make it good enough if you don't write and iterate? You know, and that's the lesson that you learned as a street performer in Argentina. You got to embarrass yourself. And fall on your face. And keep on going. And keep on going. And the the rich folks on the ghost ships are terrified to embarrass themselves. And isn't that an interesting dichotomy? Because there's so much of the joie de vie. There's so much of the love of life. And I'm and by the way, I'm not saying all rich folks, but you know, like you know what I mean. Like the that kind of facsimile of a life, that that performative uh, aliveness that to mask just deep deep and quiet despair. Um, a real life requires the vibrancy of failure. I mean, I, I guess one of the things to, to be really rich in this life is also to enjoy the whole spectrum of the human condition. And failure is one of them, you know, as love, as hate, you know, as fear, um, you know, and all the different, you know, layers. So, um, yeah, I guess if you are like brave enough, enjoy the whole spectrum and that will give you good capital. And then that's the story of Ibiza too, you know, iteration after iteration, conqueror after conqueror, and then a new conqueror and then a new wave, you know, and it's like, yeah, conquer you know, and failing, conquer and failing, yeah. people can pass by and, and, and the island remains, yeah, the island remains. And maybe that's the big lesson as for your life to be a festival is that failure comes and new things come, but you remain. You remain. You remain. You remain. See, this is a beautiful conversation. It is. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Yeah. I, I think you're a very special, wise, and poetic man. And I love the clothing you've made. You made me a jacket. You made me like a killer uh, 
rock star jacket. Yeah, I'm, I guess all your fans and the people who are listening here, they will see you in one festival and they will see you on it and they will understand. And that's wealth, I'll tell you. Like, you can go to like the coolest boutique in the world and pay thousands and thousands of dollars to buy like this perfect jacket that someone you've never met designed for some imaginary person. Or a friend who cares about you can take your measurements mm. and make something that reminds you of that. Bespoke. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, definitely simplicity is the ultimate sophistication and and just the simple thing of having s something unique made with energy, tailor-made for that particular person, knowing that we're going to have this conversation here, then you're going to wear it and all that. Those are really nice, simple things. And personally, it makes me feel so rich, you know? Mm. So rich. Que, que rico. Yeah. Que rico. Que rico. Oh, my Spanish is so bad for this island. Mauricio, I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having this conversation with me. Thank you for having me. And yeah, and yeah, nice and you came to Visa. Yeah. yeah, I'll be back. I'm sure. Thank you for joining us for the Life is a Festival podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, you can support it by subscribing on iTunes and leaving us a review letting us know what you thought. Or you can share it with your friends. Please visit eamonarmstrong.com. That's E-A-M-O-N-A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G.com for more content about festival culture and personal growth. Have a great week. Okay, so now the second, how did the podcast go? Amazingly good. Right? I feel really good about it. The first one didn't work. The first conversation just didn't work. I was I, while we were having it, I was like, "We're not, we're not connecting enough. It's not, it's different. It's not there." And I was like trying too hard, and it was just we weren't landing. And then an hour in, we just cut it and just you see, did it again. It's all about to keep on going. Yeah, yeah, and it, and I really love the second conversation. I think the thread was very clear. Um, I love all of them, you know, because they 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 also show me something about. Because you get more con conscious when, mm. you know, when you're doing a camera or recording things. I know that that's going to be registered. So you, somehow you get more conscious about it, and, you know. So I definitely learned something with it. And, uh, and yeah, the topics. You, you, you need to have a good host to kind of like go into all these little... All the little crevices? Of, yeah. All, yeah, the, yeah. all, the, all the sandy places? You're really good at it. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. I'm getting better because I fail sometimes. Yeah, enjoy your problems, baby. Definitely. There is wisdom in there. You know it. Life is a festival only for the wise. <laughs> enjoy your problems, baby. And for the listener at home, I hope you enjoy your problems because they never really go away. And if you can learn to enjoy them, then you're probably going to do better. And I know you're probably going through something really hard right now, and I don't mean to be insensitive because I'm sure it's extremely hard. I have some of those too. But... In the words of one of my favorite writers, Rilke, keep going. No feeling is final. <laughs>